Good morning, I'm Nicole Rideout-Hartwick and I am here today with Colleen Barry um, for the second time, I think. That's right. Our CEO of Gibson Sotheby's International Realty. And we're here today to talk about a, a little bit of a touchy subject, um, the new proposal for rent control in the city of Boston. And we're here to really discuss what impact that might have on, on the city, and we don't believe it will be a good one. So we can kind of dive right in, if you don't mind. Do you wanna yeah. do a quick hello? I know you've been on before. I do, I'm excited to be on again. I had a lot of fun last time. And we always have great discussions about things, but I actually, before we even start, there is one thing I wanted to say, which is I am so excited that Michelle Wu is our new mayor. You know, as a, as a woman leader, we're both women leaders within Boston. I think it's so exciting to have a woman at the forefront. And we've been supporters of her for a long time. Uh, but I think the, the question becomes the topical one, which is, is this the right solution to the problem that we're all facing? So I, I think this will be a lot of fun to talk about this. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking that, and I, and I agree with you. I think what's interesting about us that we discussed last time is you and I almost always disagree, yep. which is brings us, I think, so much it's such a better result on almost everything. Mm -hmm. um, but ironically, this we don't disagree on. Yeah. And, I, and I was driving over here thinking about this this morning because I was a little nervous to talk about this because the climate that we're in, if you don't agree with the solution that someone puts forward, it's almost like you don't care about the problem. That's right. um, and when we were driving over, I was thinking that when we asked, we asked some people to look into this and we voiced that this was our opinion, that we didn't think it was a good solution leading up to this um, staff of ours. And I felt bad when we did that because I'm like, I hope they don't think I don't care. And it's like, right. that's the environment that we're in. Of course we care. I actually care a lot um, about affordable housing. And that's why I feel so passionately about let's find some solutions that really might work. That's right. um, but what I do feel comfortable about and why I, I think we both, why we both agree is you really can't find an economist that thinks that rent control is gonna have a good that's impact. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a Band-Aid solution. It feels good to say. Um, I think it's gonna take a lot more work and that's a lot right. more effort yeah. um, over the course of years to solve this problem. And we're gonna walk through some of those solutions, obviously. But first, can you walk us through just quickly what is Michelle Wu's proposal? Um, I know it's a little vague still. It is. You know, whenever there are these types of proposals that are put forward, it's just essentially an idea in the beginning. So it, it, it's so early stage that we don't have a lot of details yet. But what we currently have proposed is a 10% cap on the increase of rents. We don't know who that's gonna affect. Right. We don't know how many properties we're talking about. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to, to what you said, there is a history of rent control being used around the country. Um, anybody who's, who's familiar with New York City or has ever looked at the rents in New York City can see that rent control has not solved the affordability problem in New York City. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of argument from a lot of economists to show that it's actually exacerbated the problem. And that's because the problem is actually not the rent itself. The problem is a supply and demand problem. Right. One thing I wanted to say before we even move forward too is I completely agree with you. I think, as a matter of fact, when you look at Boston in particular, because this is where this is happening, but this is not the only place that, that affordability is a problem. You know, we have offices on Cape Cod, and it's one of our main concerns on Cape Cod. It's why right. we support a lot of organizations that try to help people uh, with, with affordability in terms of finding housing there. Um, if, when you hear about studies done and, and people talking about what's the greatest threat now, if you were to do a SWOT analysis, so you're looking right. at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, what's the greatest threat to Boston and Cambridge? It's affordability is the problem. Right. Because if you drive your workforce 
out of the area. You no longer have people to do the jobs that need to be done. Right. Right. And it, and it eliminates some of the diversity, the vibrancy of those cities. So I think it's so important that people understand that this is a problem that is so near and dear to our hearts because without Boston, without its vibrancy, we don't have a company. Right. <laughs> so I think that's hugely important that people understand how passionate we are about the problem itself. But the question is, what causes the problem? And then what are solutions to get you to right. a solution? Yeah. And I think that the supply and demand is the big thing we want to drive home, is yeah. that's the issue. And that's an issue with basically everything right now. Yes. Um, and that what rent control will effectively do is freeze the city. That's okay. what happens. That's what happened in San Francisco. That's what happened in New York. There's no reason for someone to move. So yes. now we have somebody that might, there or there's a million examples of families in New York that they had a great deal and they had a big family and that was good for them at that moment. And now kids are out of the house. You know, one of the spouses passes or moves and you have one person in a three bedroom apartment. Why are they giving it up? And now we have people that are paying crazy rents yeah. in other places frustrated with that. So I think when you look at the supply and demand and you look at the fact that what it really effectively does is freeze people yeah. into places. So what you could really, if you make it boil it down really simple. I mean, if this were to move forward and however many, like we said, it's so vague, how many places and where the people currently in them, they might do well for the moment or they will do well. The people that think they might do well from this, that think, well, I would be, you know, I, I might be somebody that could get into a, you can't get it. Yeah. We right. freeze it. So the people that are there are good, but there, this isn't, there's no turnover yeah. and having no turnover is only going to make the supply and demand well, worse. Well, and I think, you know, you raise an excellent point, and I think there are others that kind of drive it home to, and let's simplify it. You know, because we have a supply and demand problem, the important thing to do is to increase supply. You're not going to be able to remove demand. I mean, Boston as a city has, you know, it became not so much a secret anymore. You know, for a really long time, it was this quiet city as a, and on the whole, you know, it's a smaller city. And a lot of people around the world didn't know that much about it, you know, but what has happened is, you know, driven by the success of Harvard and MIT and those institutions, driven by uh, the fact that we've got so many wonderful institutions here, like financial institutions, uh, dot-com companies, tech companies, biotech companies, the hospitals, I mean, everything. A lot of people from all around the world are attracted to our city with great reason. It's a great city and it's a really livable city except for an affordability problem. So what we have is an increase in demand, and we have not increased the supply. Mm -hmm. So I think taking what you're talking about and boiling it down to the simple part is, in one way here, and we're only talking about one way so far, it actually causes a, a throttle mm -hmm. on the existing supply. The question is, are there other things that it does to the supply? And we believe it does. So a great example would be that if you believe that you're going to have some trouble with earning enough to be able to cover the cost or to be able to make money off of an investment property, what you typically do then is sell the investment property. Well, that could be converted over to condos and sold as condos. Now you've removed another segment of the rental market and you've turned those into owner-occupied units. So now we've just constricted the supply a little bit more. Right. Let's say you're a builder and you would like to build a, a big rental property. With rent control, that could become another deterrent. And Boston has a number of challenges for builders. As a matter of fact, it kind of is uh, known as being a very difficult place to build. 
to, for national builders. A lot of them don't come into Boston to build right. because of that. So now we've got builders not building, you know, or, or we're de-incentivizing them to build rental properties. That constricts the supply even more. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not even that rent control we don't believe is going to solve the problem. The concern is it will exacerbate the problem. Right. So this is something that's why it worries us. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So you kind of went through, obviously, why uh, that was sort of the next question was, why is it controversial? And we've both Mm -hmm. sort of touched on that. Like I said, we have this hesitancy to talk about it because you want to express we do care. Um, I was also thinking when I was driving over here, and not that it matters because we could could care no matter what, but we both, I mean, my parents were first generation homeowners. So both of their parents were jumping around, um, tried affordable rents and things like that. And both of us grew up in blue collar, very affordable yes. places that I, the place that I grew up, I wish was more affordable now, right? right. We see these issues yes. um, and it's hurting everyone. And I think that that's why I feel so passionate about this is what hurt, what hurts to see this is this feels like a good sexy headline, right? We're in support of rent control, mm-hmm. we care. Well, this isn't gonna help the people that actually are getting affected by this, right? So that's the that's where I feel passionate and that's sort of the ask that I have is like mm-hmm. people dig that little bit deeper yeah. um, because there's so many solutions and while it's controversial, I don't want people to shy away from saying, I do care about this issue. I just don't support that solution and that doesn't mean I don't care. Right. If somebody doesn't care, then they won't be presenting other solutions, right? So if someone, if someone, whether it be someone on a municipal level or something like that says affordability is one of my priorities and now they're not presenting solutions, well then we can say they don't care. Um, But there are a lot of solutions. So we should walk through a few that we feel um, that there are just off the top of our head. Well, you know, and one thing I think that is important for people to understand is we've alluded to the fact that uh, it's tough to find an economist who supports rent control as a solution to affordability. Please, if you find one, let, let us know. Yeah, right. I can't find one. Well, and I and I think <clears throat> you know if you're if you're not the kind of person who enjoys reading white papers, and most people are not, if you're not an academic or not an economist yourself, you know, go to the Free Economics podcast. Right. There's a great episode about affordability and we rent can put control. that in the show notes. Yeah, I actually was listening to it um, the other day. It's a great way that you can kind of hear. And those guys do great deep dives in common person's language, language I can understand about. Yeah, very neutral. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good idea. But in terms of, you know, what's kind of led us here, I think, you know, hidden in where the problem started is the solution. So we can talk about a handful of things, but one of them is that the cost of building has gone up significantly. Mm -hmm. Um, We know over the last several years in particular, there have been all kinds of supply chain problems. You know, cost of lumber was so volatile for a while. The cost of steel had gone up. I mean, some of these are are, uh, geopolitical issues that that lead to these things. Some of them, COVID that drove them. I mean, we even had, we were talking earlier about this, the Suez Canal, uh, that giant boat that got stuck actually led to the rise in cost of things because it broke the supply chain for a while. So there are all kinds of factors that lead to that. But in terms of cost of materials, that's gone up. So that's a challenge for people costs more to build, which means the resulting uh, inventory is more expensive. That's one problem. That's a difficult one to solve. But let's go to another one. The cost of labor has gone up significantly. You know, for since I can remember, we've been telling kids whether or not uh, it seemed like maybe the best solution for them, go to college, don't go to trade school. So we've lost people in the trades. Mm -hmm. So now a young person coming out of trade school can be making close to or even six figures and above. Mm -hmm. 
because there are so few people. Again, that's a supply and demand problem, right? We don't have the supply of people in the trades. We need to be moving that. I've actually seen some interesting programs around the country where they take people and they run them through a whole training process. There's a, a, one out of Seattle that I support, and it's a, it's a group, I'm gonna forget the name of it now, um, but they train women who are single mothers in the trades. And those women go from making $30,000 a year to making $90,000 a year. Mm -hmm. That makes a huge impact to their family, right? right? So I think if you think about that, that there are ways that we can actually essentially create jobs here. Mm -hmm. So we're solving two problems at the same time. We're we're solving the the fact that families aren't making as much as they could. We're solving that potential problem. We're solving the problem that um, we've we've got uh, constriction on, let's say, employability. We're we're solving that problem as well. And then we're also driving the the ability to to build. So I think if we think about it, that's another one of the challenges that we've faced. Um, But another is, as I mentioned earlier, Boston's somewhat notorious when it comes to what national builders think about building here. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a difficult process. It's a costly process to even uh, permit and, and to go through all of the, the local planning. So as a matter of fact, I just saw this morning that um, Michelle Wu has put forward a, a, an initiative to try to improve the planning. I haven't had a chance to read the details yet if, if they were in the article, but uh, those are the kinds of things that mm-hmm. start to move us down the path right. to actually solving our affordability issue. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with the fact that with the developers there's just so much we could probably do an entire episode Um, whether it be make the permitting process a little bit easier for people um, incentivize developers to be creating affordable housing there's a lot of ways we could work together and Mm -hmm. not make them big bad developers like we could get these things done and another thing I think is interesting it all ties together and that I wanted to touch on today was the big elephant in the room public transportation yes which we could be doing so much of a better job which would really create obviously more housing in place because it would spread out the radius That's of how right. far people could live. That's right. I also just had food for thought and we hadn't talked about this, but I think it's really interesting. My take on this sort of shift, this market shift or the soft landing is that the reason it's going to be soft is we've always seen that little like perfect radius that yes. call it 30 minutes outside, hour outside, 90 minutes outside yep. a major city. Those drop off when the economy shifts. Yep. More so than like so less and less as you get closer to the city. Yes. I believe that this is going to be softer because of the work from home shift. Yes. I believe that the you know hour outside, 90 minutes outside that used to really drop off fast would have already dropped off by now. Yes. It's still strong. Yes. I think the city might not, the city will, I think, stay even. Yes. I, usually the city remains kind of untouched. Right. Um, it might shift a bit, but not yeah. like anything catastrophic. Yeah, and there, I think- If there is a market dip, it's short and shallow. Yeah, typically. yeah. And so I think that that's not anything to worry about in the city, but I believe that there's a lot of families that now can live 90 minutes outside yeah. the, of the city because they're coming in two days a week, if any, yep. um, which that didn't exist before. So some of these shifts might in general help us with the supply and demand if we can couple them with can we make better public transportation for the people that do need to get in there Um, these are the big questions that we need to be asking i'm sure people don't want to open these cans of worms but we can't put a band-aid on these problems well i think the issue is that you know if you think about it what we're saying is that rent control is a simplistic or oversimplified solution right to a very complex problem and you bring up an excellent point our much beleaguered massachusetts bay transit authority the poor mbta has struggled over the last several years it's been very public anybody who lives in massachusetts and has, has tried to take a train a subway a bus has known that it's got 
incredibly, exponentially more complicated. There have had to be shutdowns. There are all kinds of sort of emergency maintenance issues that are happening. So you're right. I mean, we have, that's one of the challenges here because Boston's a very old city. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, if people take a look at a map of Boston, it doesn't have the order of a New York City or a Chicago. Right. We didn't have, we had did have a fire. We didn't have as catastrophic a great fire as like, for instance, Chicago did. But those cities were able to plan out their roads really well, which means that you can there is some order to it, and it's easier to get from one place to another. Boston's traffic is challenging because we are on horse-drawn roads. <laughs> they were, that's essentially what it is. These were cattle roads. They were horse roads. And they're very narrow, and they're difficult to get through. So the, it's very difficult to, to start from scratch. We can't do that. But what we can do is increase public transit. And that piece, you're right, it, it brings that radius out. So in Boston, the big challenge because of those roads is that you don't have to be very out, very far outside Boston proper to have an hour or an hour and a half commute. Right. So if we are to improve or if we are able to improve the transit, the mass transit system, then we can actually increase that. And that just kind of spreads out that demand. That's all right. it does. And that would be a whole episode too. And I guess that's the, the trend here is we could talk a whole episode on, and, and we're not even the experts, no. um, but far from it, um, yeah. on developers and how we could you know help have them help in this. Um, um, developing transportation, and I think that was the point. It, it was the point I tried to make at the beginning. Was I understand these are cans of worms, but this is the work that it's going to take to solve this problem. That's right. And I think that's what we want to get across. Say we don't know. We don't know more than anybody. We're not saying that we do, but what we do know is that we're going to have to work a little bit harder yeah. and dig a little deeper and do probably not the sexiest things right. to get the real solutions to this problem. Yeah. We can't just stand. We can't just say we're going to do rent control because that sounds good and people will think we care and hopefully it works like we can't if you want to do that we need to talk about all of these other things because they're all playing into it right. um, and I think if we can if someone brings up rent control what we need to say is it's the supply and demand thing and what's really been interesting to me is I just went out when we're talking about this 90 minute radius I was out um, in Duxbury for yeah. just like a local owner South Shore type and I was just listening I was there to listen and everybody was saying they almost feel like silly. So like at the beginning of the pandemic, right? It was, everyone was nervous. We don't know. And, and these people have been doing pricing in these, in these towns and lived in these towns for decades. Yes. And they're so on. Yes. And they were joking that at the beginning, they felt silly because they were giving people pricing and it was just going so much higher because yes. everything picked up so fast. And we right. were like, oh my gosh. Now, we keep saying it's going to correct. Someone put something on, I think, I don't know, in the, like the million five range. Yeah. And now in January, it was supposed to be quiet. It was like over five offers, went $100,000 over, and we're still saying it's going to crash, it's going to crash, and not realizing that the supply and the demand issue is there too. Right. And so this supply and demand issue is the common thread to everything. That's right. And if we can't figure it out, none of these solutions are going to solve these problems. But here's what's good. Here, here you know, I like to think about, as you know, <laughs> the silver lining or what's our, what's our potential here. And I think in, in Boston and Cambridge, we have an incredible potential. And the reason is because we have some of the greatest minds in the world here. So I think a collaborative approach could find the real solutions here. And what's pretty exciting to me about that is if you got those people involved, and if we were able to research what have other cities around the world done to start right. to solve this problem, and we started implementing those kinds of solutions, we would have a model that then other cities in the United States would say, we need to talk to Mayor Wu. Yeah. So we have to figure out how they started to do this. 
So I think the question is, is there the will to get this done in the way it really needs to be done? Which and is a think, web. That's a web, right? There's so, a lot of problems that we, you know, when you see yeah. someone comment really emotionally on one problem, it's hard to not, you know, sort of go to the place of these are all related, right? Yeah, and then we're never going to be perfect. Yep. But unfortunately, to solve a lot of these big problems, it's all related. That's right. It's all related. We have yeah. to look at it all. Um, yeah. And that's what I don't think everybody wants to do because that is, like you're saying, that's working together. Well, and I think part of the problem, too, is if you think about it, there are all these complex things that cause the problem. There's a tendency, and you could even look at this as almost like a, a health problem, right? You might have a, 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 a conflation of all kinds of problems within your body that are leading to a headache. Right. Well, what do we do? We take an aspirin. It doesn't solve necessarily the problem. And it could be underlying that there is a major medical crisis happening. Right. So I think, you know, what we're trying to say is let's not take the aspirin if our problem is much more systemic and a bigger problem when the aspirin might actually exacerbate it. If we have a bleed, we don't want to thin out our blood. So, right. so I think that's the issue that we're looking at is this is a Band-Aid solution. The fear is it might actually exacerbate the problem itself. So let's really go to the heart of the problems that are there. I love it. And some big solutions I think that might just happen or is A, the remote work. We might yep. see this shift. Yep. It could be interesting. Yep. And another thing that we could really think about is commercial real estate. That's right. Commercial real estate is a huge opportunity at this juncture right now. Yep. We we are at a point where there's a lot to look at. We are we are lacking residential, yep. and there's a lot of commercial space that might be able to be flipped. Who's going to flip right. it? What That's are we right. going to flip it into? That's right. Can that create the only we actually way? We did those before. I don't know if you know this. So this is very early um, when I was working here at the company. We worked with a local developer. They were actually um, uh, they had started as a plumbing company and they started developing property. Well. They developed an R&D facility uh, in Watertown on the Charles River. Beautiful building, lots of square feet. And when they finished it, the R&D market completely fell apart. Yep. So they had all of this space. Nobody was going to lease it. Nobody was going to buy it. We helped them with that project, converting it over to condos. They were awesome loft condos right on the river. I mean, honestly, if you were a kayaker, you could kayak your way into work. I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable. So I think there is that opportunity. The mills in Manchester, yeah. New Hampshire, there's there's just a lot of things that pop into your mind that we could do. So it's, it's more, let's look at those things, right? Because the affordability issue is because there isn't enough supply. Right. Where are we getting more supply? That's the question we need to be asking. Yeah. We cannot do something that's going to cause less supply and that's think right. that it's not going to exacerbate the problem. And we're not naive. We know more than anybody. Boston is not making new land. No. <laughs> you know, the land that was made in the 17 and 1800s, we're not doing that right yeah. now. So we don't have those issues. We don't have an area that we can fill in a new back bay. Right. So what are we going to do to develop new, new inventory? And that's got to come out of creative solutions. Obviously, we can't create more land. Mm -hmm. um, however, I guess the solution of the MBTA, if we were to increase that, you essentially are creating more land, right? Because right. you're opening up an outside area. Well, hey, if there's anything good that came out of this, it's that people are paying attention to yeah. the fact that affordable housing is a real big problem. Let's look at some other solutions. It caused us to do this exercise, yes. which was a good one. Yep. So ultimately, we would love to continue this conversation with anyone. If there's something great that came out of this proposal, it's that people are starting, it's in the forefront of everyone's minds. This is a huge problem. This problem does need to be solved. Um, we just think that there might be some better ways that might be a bigger lift um, and a longer time period to truly solve the problem at its core. Um, 
and I wish we had the solution, but frankly, we don't. So we're not claiming to, right? No. But we have some thoughts and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So if other people have ideas, um, whether you agree, disagree, Colleen and I basically agree and disagree on everything. <laughs> and that's why I think it, it's a good thing because we can sort of hear each other out even in a moment if you don't want to listen. And that's what we're encouraging people to do, especially on this issue is take the emotion out of it, look at the data, um, try to hear all sides and let's actually together solve this problem of affordability because it needs to happen. Um, so that's it. And if you want to talk to us about this, we would love to hear from you. You could shoot me an email at Nicole at Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you.